You are listening to Pandora's Box Radio with Kaylee LaRoche. For more information about my products and services, counseling, coaching, hypnotherapy, books, and audios, please visit NarcissismFree.com or PathBackToSelf.com. Hello and welcome to Pandora's Box. This is Kalia and today the topic of our podcast is what is an empath, really? In our last podcast, I talked about the relationship between the scapegoat, the empath, and the highly sensitive person. I talked about how they share a set of characteristics, but as timing would have it, I listened to a popular influencer do a deep dive into the empath, which left me feeling pretty triggered. The reason I was triggered is because he was suggesting through his own research that if an empath really knew the information that he was sharing, they would not want to identify as an empath. And he went on to talk about the toxic empathy or the dark side of empathy. I found myself talking back to him saying, that's toxic empathy you're talking about. This is the dark side of empathy you're talking about. This is not true for all empaths. No, an empath is not created out of childhood dysfunction just as a narcissist is. I then felt compelled to do a podcast to correct the misperceptions around being an empath that are clearly floating around out there. I consider myself to be an empath. However, I don't build my identity around it. I don't go around telling people, hey, I'm an empath. Any more than I go around telling people I'm a highly sensitive person, a victim of abuse, or a recovering codependent. And this is because my identity is not based on any of these things. I don't think it ever was. I could just as easily identify with being a musician or a vegan or an alternative therapist or a part-time nomad. But I don't do this either. Because to be honest, I don't build my identity on any of it. So you can imagine how I felt when I heard this influencer talk about how empaths use this title to give them a sense of significance or superiority. I also heard him refer to the label super empath, suggesting that many people are seeing being an empath as a superpower. Of course, the super empath is a title that's floating around the internet. It didn't start with him. And I've never paid much attention to this label because to me it just felt like another word being used to boost the confidence of someone who has been destroyed by a narcissist. It has no real meaning. One of the issues I have with a big-time influencer is that they often just do a little research or listen to somebody else and regurgitate the information and then unleash it onto hundreds of thousands of people who take that in. Now, I'm not saying there aren't some amazing influencers out there, and even the one I'm talking about is an amazing influencer. I don't have anything negative to say. He fully believed what he was talking about. 
and his video was a product of his research. But I'm speaking up because I have done more than research when it comes to the topic of empathy. I've worked with empaths for over 20 years and I am one myself and I think that gives me a bit of insight into the topic. I've worked with empaths who were demonstrating toxic empathy and I've had toxic empathy myself. There is a dark side to being an empath. Most of us are aware of this, but empaths can learn quickly. And most of the people I work with start to recover from their toxic patterns. They learn to set healthy boundaries and learn to work with their empathic nature. Most empaths who've been involved with a narcissist are aware of the relationship between the narcissist and the empath. They know that they are on exact opposite ends of the spectrum. They possess high levels of empathy and the narcissist has no empathy or very low empathy. So in many ways, they balance each other out, but the empath clearly gets the raw end of the deal. The influencer that I'm talking about says that the empath and the narcissist share the same core wound but just learn to cope differently. And this is where I say, wait a minute, stop. There is a difference between a codependent and an empath. Codependents and narcissists often share the same core wound. And I've talked about this a lot in the past because you may have two siblings from the same dysfunctional family system and one will polarize towards becoming codependent and the other will polarize towards becoming narcissistic. An empath can be codependent, but an empath is not always a codependent and a codependent is not always an empath. They are two separate things. Codependency is a set of characteristics that are learned behaviors as a result of a toxic or dysfunctional childhood. We often identify the codependent as a caretaker, fixer, rescuer, overly responsible, self-sacrificing, focusing on the needs of others and unaware of their own needs. An empath, on the other hand, is what Elaine Aaron refers to as the highly sensitive person. And Matt Kahn, he's a favorite influencer of mine, refers to the empath as an energetically sensitive person. I said in my last podcast that most highly sensitive personalities were born that way, and their parents say they've always been sensitive from day one. Highly sensitive people or empaths may be affected more deeply by emotional, verbal, or physical abuse and trauma. It impacts their nervous system in a way that it may not affect someone who is not highly sensitive. Highly sensitive people may also be sensitive to sound and light and even EMFs or electric and magnetic fields. I've known people who are clearly not empaths come out of narcissistic relationships and they bounce back differently. 
because their nervous systems aren't as affected as the empath. These people I'm thinking of were codependent, but not necessarily highly sensitive. So they didn't absorb the level of toxic emotion of the narcissist in the same way the empath did. Of course, they did have to invest several years in their recovery, like most people do, but they didn't have the level of PTSD that a more sensitive person might have. Both empaths and codependents are targeted by the narcissist for two different reasons. A codependent is by nature a caretaker that will take care of the needy narcissist. And this is learned behavior, of course. They may, a codependent may have found themselves in childhood taking care of a parent or taking care of siblings. And yeah, they, this might be how they got a feeling of being valued, or this might be how they got a feeling of being significant. So, so they learned to be caretakers. And the empath, on the other hand, is an emotional sponge. And if they are unaware of this aspect and don't have strong boundaries, they will absorb or take on the toxic, disowned emotions of the narcissist. If someone is both codependent and an unaware empath, they are royal supply for a narcissist. He can't do any better than that. The dark side of empathy is when one is a highly sensitive person and unaware of his or her tendency to be a sponge for the emotions and energies around him or her. Once we develop awareness and erect strong boundaries, we learn how to energetically protect ourselves. This might mean say, staying clear of anyone who projects onto us or drawing an energetic force field around us to protect us from the projections of others. Narcissists typically disown their feelings and emotions, which is why they project onto others. Whenever they are triggered or feeling something uncomfortable, they cut off from those feelings and discharge them onto their nearest and dearest. They are not able to or equipped in a way that they can regulate their own emotions. So they use their sources to regulate for them. This is also typical of a borderline personality. By the way, to clear up another misperception, many people out there on the internet are also saying a borderline personality is just someone with complex PTSD, are also called childhood PTSD. Almost all the people I work with coming out of a narcissistic relationship experience some kind of PTSD. And many I would identify as complex PTSD, but only a few of my clients over all the years I've been working in this field have fit the description of a borderline. The main difference I've noticed is that most borderlines will sabotage our, our therapeutic relationship within the first few sessions and they will usually devalue and discard me on their way out the door letting me know what a horrible human being I am. 
they don't want to get close to their issues. And if they do, they're extremely uncomfortable and sabotage so they don't have to go there. I would say most of my clients with PTSD are able to go into the difficult and painful issues as we build trust and safety. As a result, the PTSD symptoms lessen and they can resume normal life with time. I feel that borderline personalities are a hypersensitive type of narcissist. Sam Vaknin calls them failed narcissists. They have many of the same personality traits as a narcissist, but they appear to be much more empathic and sensitive. And I said appeared to be. This personality type fits into the same cluster B personality type as a narcissist. And they may be very sensitive, but they are really not empathic in that they don't really feel for other people, but they're hypersensitive to their own hurt feelings. So they're really tuned into how they feel. Many borderlines have experienced extreme emotional, verbal, sexual, and physical abuse in childhood, which is often the root cause of their issues. But then I've known parents that seemed like good, well-balanced people who are dealing with borderline children or adult children, like a borderline daughter. And they told me there was just always something off about her. I've also had many clients who had a borderline sibling, like a sister, and said her parents were wonderful and good parents, although they catered too much to the borderline and her demands. So oftentimes a sister of a borderline or a sibling of a borderline will feel neglected by her parents because the borderline demands so much attention. It's like the borderline is sucking all the oxygen out of the room. A borderline personality doesn't necessarily emerge from a toxic family system, but this doesn't mean that they didn't experience some kind of abuse, sexual abuse, or trauma somewhere else. Last episode, I talked about how some personalities are just born that way. And this is also a good possibility for some cluster B personalities. Psychology really hasn't identified a primary cause. I just feel that I have enough experience with clients with CPTSD to know this is not the same as BPD, borderline personality disorder. It seems like a borderline is a more feminine aspect of a narcissist. And keep in mind that you can be a man who is more feminine or you could be a woman who is more masculine. So I don't mean that all narcissistic women are BPD and all narcissistic men are NPD. I just don't think these complex and confusing disorders are all that easy to put into a box. There's just far too many factors. If you take a look at the Myers-Briggs personality profile or the Enneagram personality types, it is suggested that all human beings are born with a set of characteristics that define their personality. But there are extremes of each personality type. 
So that means there's a dark side to each personality type and a light side to each personality type. So one that is not fully developed or self-aware may possess more of the dark side of those traits. Or there's a tendency to express more of the dark side of those traits when someone is anxious, upset, tired, hungry, angry, or for some other reason. I think it's important to state that none of us are perfect. We all have a dark side or shadow side, and we can all be unaware at times. But many unaware people tend to be more a danger to themselves and some more a danger to others. An empath, for example, can be more a danger to themselves where a narcissist is more a danger to others. So yes, there is a dark side to being an empath. Any empath will agree to this. We've all fallen into darkness and unconsciousness. We've all lacked awareness and made choices that were not good for us. But this is not due to our empathic nature. It's due to our human nature. As far as the super empath goes, I can't say I even know what that is. I've never used this term and never related to it, but I can guess that it was a term created to see one's high levels of empathy as some kind of superpower. If we go back to the Enneagram and Myers-Briggs personality profiles, all personality types have a superpower. They all have an at your best, and an at your worst. So at your best is your superpower, no matter what your personality type is. I've seen influencers in the field of narcissistic abuse talk about the super empath as being someone who has the power to destroy the narcissist. And of course, everybody watches these videos. Clickbait, do you think? If we are to get real, most empaths, when they are aware, can see right through the narcissist. And the narcissist hates this. Because if you can see through him, he can't manipulate you. If an empath can recognize that the emotions they're picking up on is not theirs, but belongs to the narcissist, they have a big clue in to what's going on for the narcissist and then he can't hide anymore. So in this case, an empath may have the power to expose a narcissist to himself and to others, but they aren't likely going to be destroyed by this. You know, narcissists have a way of bouncing back very quickly and continuing on their merry way with someone else who's clueless to who they are. So we really don't have the power to destroy a narcissist, and this should never be our goal. Our goal needs to be on healing ourselves and living the best life that we can live. The best revenge is living well, right? The narcissist is perfectly capable of destroying himself. He or she doesn't need your help with this. It is not that the narcissist always wins. They don't. They're just so often clueless and dig their own graves as a result. 
They're incapable of looking at the trail of bad relationships behind them and recognize that they are the common denominator. I've even witnessed a narcissist say he is codependent and a rescuer who always picked women that he tried to rescue or help in some way. But after he got involved with these women, he became abusive to them and could not see his part. He could not see this part of his personality. He hid this part from himself. And if a woman held up a mirror to him showing him his own abusive nature, he would deny it and break the mirror. So let's ditch the idea of a super empath. What is it serving other than to bolster our own sense of superiority? An empath is a highly sensitive person, period. Our high levels of sensitivity can be beneficial to our lives or destructive, depending on our level of awareness. We don't have superpowers. We're not better than anyone else. We should never build our identities around it. But we can look at the term empath to help us have a stronger sense of self-awareness. Now, if we're going back to the last podcast I did where I talked about a special purpose for being here, this is a different story. On a spiritual level, we may have chosen to come here at this time of rapid growth and awakening on the planet. We may feel we have a special purpose for being here. We may feel on some level we're here to raise the frequency or vibration of the planet. We may feel we are here to combat evil and transmute the darkness into light, but we do none of this from a sense of superiority. We do it more from a sense of mission and purpose. Believing we've come here for a reason is important because it helps us to align with our purpose and do the work we've come here to do. It helps us to course correct and step into our true power. It helps us to stop playing small and step out onto the stage of life as the radiant being of light that we are. It isn't about being better or superior to anyone else. It's about owning who we really are. It's about owning our importance. It's about shining our light. It's about finding our power in love. It's about walking away from those who want to hurt and destroy us. It's good that we can identify the dark lords just as it's good that we can identify a rattlesnake. It's their nature to bite. We need to keep our distance. By calling something what it is, it doesn't make us superior. If you identify a rattlesnake in nature, do you feel superior to the snake? Or are you just protecting yourself? And so what if you are feeling superior in the moment? What's wrong with that? If you grew up with nar a narcissist always painting you in an inferior light, and you stand up and say, I'm better than that, so what? You are better than that. And if you say, I deserve more, yes, you do deserve more. If you paint yourself in a superior light to a narcissist in your life, good for you, because you may 
need to do this in order to rise up into your rightful place and see yourself as good enough. It's our human nature to feel superior in order to compensate for feelings of inferiority. This is what narcissists do all the time. So wouldn't it make sense that you would do this while recovering from narcissistic abuse? Wouldn't it make sense that you would feel better than the narcissist on some level to compensate for being put underneath him for so long? Sometimes it might take standing up tall and saying not only I deserve better than that, but I am better than that. And if it looks to others like you're saying I'm better than the narcissist, so be it. You probably are. I think for those of us aligned with good, with God, with the light, we see light as better than the dark. We see good as better than the bad. We see love as better than hatred. Because, let's face it, it feels much better. Philosophers and spiritual gurus may say one is not better than the other. But if we are to be honest with ourselves, one definitely feels better than the other. We choose one over the other. We feed one and starve the other. We live in a dualistic world, even when there are those practicing non-duality or oneness. Maybe we are all one, but we're not the same. And if we allow ourselves to feel insignificant, we can too easily be absorbed into another person's toxic reality. Yes, it is true. We all have a shadow. And the more we can face our shadow, the more we can transmute it into light. Sometimes it's true that when we point at another, there are three fingers pointing back to us. And what this means is we can never deny our own responsibility when it comes to examining how we got to where we are. We all make choices. And I would bet if given the opportunity to go back in time, many of us would make a different choice if we could. But we also become aware that we learn from our choices and that allows us to make a different choice in the future. We need to be able to acknowledge the part we are playing in the dance in order to change our dance steps. It doesn't matter if you are an empath, a codependent, or both. You're still awesome. We are all learning and growing and this is the beauty because narcissistic people are not learning and growing. They're too busy blaming, shaming, exploiting, gaslighting, and manipulating to learn and grow. If you are truly able to learn and grow, you are on the right path because true evolution is to learn from our mistakes and grow as a result. I hope that this has been helpful for you. And if you're interested in having a one-on-one -on -one session with me, you can contact me through my websites, NarcissismFree.com or KayleaLaRoche.com. Thanks again, and I hope you have a great week. I'll talk to you in the next podcast.